Happy summer, you all. I hope you had a wonderful weekend and a happy Father's Day yesterday. Coming in at number two of the Best of the Brave Marriage podcast is episode number 61, Learning About Each Other Through the Enneagram. For this episode, you'll hear my husband Evan from our series last summer called Seven Lessons in Seven Years, where we walk through some of our biggest lessons to date, if you want to check that out. And let me know if you're wanting to hear from him again in the future. He might show up on a series this fall. Okay, I hope you all enjoy. Hey there, and welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kenzie Dazinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach. And I'm Evan Dazinski. And this is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. Thank you so much for being here with us today and for listening in. If you would, we'd love for you to take a minute to subscribe to the podcast and rate and review the show. It only takes a minute, but it means so much to me especially to see new ratings and reviews and to know that people are still enjoying it and telling others about it. This is our last episode in our Seven Lessons in Seven Years series. And the lesson we'd like to share with you today is simply to keep learning about each other. Because when we grow stagnant in our desire to know our spouses, our friendship and our connectedness go out the window. And when our friendship goes, so does our patience and our respect for each other and our natural inclination to give our spouse the benefit of the doubt and to see them in the best light. And those are extremely important relational qualities to maintain because when friendship, patience, respect, and positive perspective give way, it opens the door right up in our relationships for communication breakdowns, unresolved conflict, and eventually both parties end up feeling alone and unhappy in the marriage without knowing why. And this happens because somewhere along the way, we stopped being friends stopped learning about each other and prioritizing time together. I guess I'm starting out with a little bit of a cautionary tale and laying out what could happen because seriously, I see this all the time in my office with therapy clients. And hear me out. Growing apart because of a lack of time together and apathy toward continuing to know and learn about each other isn't the only reason for marital breakdown, but I would argue that it's the most subtle and insidious. And here's the thing for where you are now. Here's why I'm telling you this. Within a trusted and committed marriage, there's no reason for things to break down like this, but things do break down because other tasks, obligations, and even opportunities seem more important in the short term. But I want you to stop and ask yourself, is the task on my to-do list that I've been stressing out about more important than my marriage? Not more urgent, but more important. Is this particular obligation that I've gotten myself into worth giving up time at home? Is this opportunity worth me being away from my spouse and family during the season of our lives? And even if it's just for a season, what will be the consequences for my relationship, for my marriage, if I choose to pursue this opportunity? What I'm trying to get at is that relationships don't maintain themselves. Your marriage needs you two to invest in it. Think of compound interest and how that works, right? When you invest early on, you reap huge rewards over time. 
even when you start out young and invest in your retirement early on, smaller amounts can really add up and make a huge difference when you go to retire versus if you were to try and invest at the very end, then you're just trying to play catch up and it rarely happens or works out well. And the same is true for our relationships. Yeah, and one way to do that, to invest in your marriage, is to keep learning about each other. And one tool we've found helpful in our marriage in recent years is something called the Enneagram. And the reason we're going here and talking about this tool is because it's taught us new things about ourselves and each other. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Enneagram is an ancient tool that categorizes people's personalities and underlying motivations into nine different types. My sister, Emily, actually introduced me and Kinsey to it about five years ago. And over the past two years, my colleagues and I have used it to get to know each other better and also the students that we work with as part of our staffs. As I've learned more about it, I found it to be a really helpful tool for couples also to get to know themselves and each other better. Initially, I hadn't planned to use it at all in my practice because it's not actually empirically validated. But I was having so many clients show up in my office saying, I'm an Enneagram 2 or 6 or type 9 on the Enneagram. And then I was having to go look those things up to better understand the language that some of my clients were starting to use. And while we're not going to give you an overview or explain each type, we have linked an incredible amount of resources in the show notes. From the best books, podcasts, music, websites, and assessments to check out, so that you and your spouse can learn more about the Enneagram, more about yourselves, and more about each other. Our goal for this episode is to share with you what Kinsey and I have learned about our relationship that we didn't know before, all because of the Enneagram. Since it's our last episode in the series, we hope that it's a fun way to end it and it convinces you to continue to invest in learning about yourselves and each other. To provide some background for this episode, Throughout, we'll be referring to a couple's Enneagram assessment we just took at becomingus.com. That'll be one of the links that we add in the show notes so you can check that out for yourself. So, Kinsey, can you share with the listeners what Enneagram type you are, how you came to discover that, and a little about what that means? I identify as a type 1, which I discovered probably five years ago now through your sister Emily, like you mentioned when she let me borrow a book and skim through the nine types. So ones are known as the reformer or the perfectionist. They're principled, responsible, purposeful, self-controlled, thorough, and perfectionistic. Ones strive to do everything with accuracy, precision, and integrity, but unlike other personality types, they have an inner critic that consistently provides them with a steady stream of self-criticism. The core fear of ones is being wrong or bad, and therefore unworthy. Their core desire is to be good, balanced, accurate, virtuous, and operate in integrity. Ones long to know that they are good, and their core weakness is anger or frustration, which is often repressed. Okay, my first question for you is what resonates with you about this description, and what have you discovered about yourself that you were unaware of before the Enneagram? Well, what doesn't resonate about this description, honestly, it was very easy to discover my type because I don't think anyone would question after hearing that description that that's me. When I saw the word integrity, that stuck out to me because I've heard myself say that for years, that my integrity is like the most important thing to me. 
especially as I've operated in business, that's been a core principle that I return to. And I didn't realize that that was a function of being an Enneagram one. So that sticks out, as does the perfectionist piece, because you guys have heard me talk about that's my continual struggle. And so it just helped me understand that piece of myself better, how that works, and ways that I can grow through that to be a healthier version of myself. I think the piece that I've discovered that I was previously unaware of was this constant inner critic. I know this is bizarre to say, but before, I didn't think I had an inner critic which for those who know me well are probably laughing that I didn't realize that, but I always experienced it as something helpful. Like one, I thought everybody had this inner critic that was pushing them to be better. And I discovered through the Enneagram that that isn't true, that other people don't live with that. But also I experienced it as something positive, which was pushing me and trying to help me improve. And in a lot of ways, It is, but the shadow side of that is that sometimes it can motivate me out of a place of shame or harsh self-talk, which is never going to lead to lasting change or change that comes out of a healthy place. So learning to distinguish that has been really helpful for me. All right, Ev, your turn. What Enneagram type are you? How did you discover that? And what does it mean to be that type? So I'm a type three on the Enneagram and my process for discovering my type actually took a while. I read some descriptions of the types like you did when my sister introduced it to me originally and it was really hard to determine. I couldn't figure out immediately what type I was. And so I decided to take some Enneagram assessments to see if I could figure out my type. And even after that, the types that it was saying I was, I didn't really identify or align with. And it wasn't until I did some further reading that I actually discovered my type. And when I discovered it, everything just seemed to click. Like I knew immediately that that was my type and how I could see my world and relationships and the way that I relate to them fit into that. So type threes are known as the performer or the successful achiever. They tend to be efficient, accomplished, motivated, driven, and image conscious. They achieve, excel, and reach ambitious goals with apparent ease and confidence because they fear appearing unsuccessful. Their core fear is being thought of as incompetent or inefficient, and their core desires to be respected, valued, and admired. Threes long to know that they are loved for who they are, and their core weakness is deceit, which means taking on certain personas in order to be admired. So what resonates with you about that description and what have you discovered about yourself that you were unaware of before? Yeah, the efficiency piece really stands out to me. That's something that I've been aware of since middle school or high school, probably just how efficiently I can accomplish things in comparison to my peers. Things just seem to click and organize and I can strategize very quickly to find the easiest solutions to problems or situations. Also, the image conscious piece really stands out. This has been something that I've had to work through and continue to work through, but I just really want to appear like I have it all together all of the time and that I'm very successful all of the time. And as we all know, because we're humans, that's impossible. And for me, trying to grasp that and understand that on a daily basis is always a challenge. Yeah, and as you've learned more about yourself, it's helped me to learn more about you too, which we're going to get into. 
And so my second question for you is, how has the Enneagram helped you to love and understand your spouse better? And the reason I'm asking it like that to you is because to the listeners, we're going to have you guys ask these questions of each other as you learn more about the Enneagram yourselves. Yeah, one of the things that I've learned about you that has really been helpful is your integrity. I've learned to just really appreciate that and didn't know how important your integrity was to you early on in our marriage, which often led to some disagreements and arguments about what we should do in certain situations. But knowing now that your integrity is so important, it's just given me a baseline and understanding for where you're coming from in a lot of situations. Additionally, understanding that you have an inner critic and that you experience self-criticism has also been really helpful. I think for me, I come to conclusions and strategize so quickly that I don't understand what's going on in your head all of the time. And this especially came out early in our marriage. But now having an understanding of what it is that you're probably thinking and going through really helps me give you grace and helps me have conversations with you about next steps that you're wanting to take in a given situation. So, Kinsey, what about you? How has the Enneagram helped you to love and understand me better? More than anything, learning that you're an Enneagram 3 has helped me to really appreciate the ways that you're different from me and to really see your efficiency and your strategicness as strengths. You know, it took a few years for me to understand really how you work, how your mind works. And I was beginning to see those as strengths as you would help me strategize when I started in my businesses, for example. But the Enneagram really put language to those things and helped me to realize that the efficiency piece and the strategy piece are a part of your hardwiring. They're things that I don't have and things I really value and have gained a lot from through being married to you. I think the Enneagram has also helped me understand how to love you better. For example, when we were younger, before we were married, what I would call the integrity piece in me, but also probably this critical stance, made me view some of the way that you operated as coming from a place of ego, even though now I realize that my stance is also out of ego. But the Enneagram really helped me to understand that in a paradoxical way, what you need from me is this affirmation and acknowledgement of all of your strengths because you have a lot of them. But I think I used to withhold out of a place of fearing that it would contribute to a larger ego. I'm embarrassed to say that. But actually finding that affirming you and naming the things that both of us already know that you're strong in actually helps you to rest in your God-given identity. It helps you to rest in your strengths and in who you really are rather than contributing to you living out of a place that isn't you. And so I feel like it's been so helpful in just my understanding of you and teaching me to love you better. Yeah, and I'm very grateful for that. Okay, next question. What's one area you want to continue to grow in personally and then relationally? Personally, where I am is desiring to learn how to live out of my spirit-led self on a more consistent basis and not out of my own strength. When we took Beth McCord's couple assessment from becomingus.com, it tells you how you operate in stress versus how you operate in health and how you operate when you're living out of your own strength, as she calls it, versus 
how you're operating when you live as his beloved is the language that she uses. But for me, I know that the only way that I move past my perfectionism and my own defense mechanisms and my own ego is to surrender that to the Lord and to know that I'm okay, that I don't have to do anything internally to make myself better or to make myself more worthy. That's an area that I'm actively thinking about and talking with the Lord about right now. Relationally, I would say I'd like to continue to grow in accepting and expressing strong emotions to you because my tendency when I get frustrated or experience this internal tension is to turn my frustration inward and to try and achieve an inner state of balance so that I can feel in control of myself and put together again. So Evan, when you were talking about as a three, your motivation is to present yourself as put together so that other people see that. For me, the drive is to create balance internally and to feel put together in my inner state. But instead, I realized that my growing edge and What would lead to deeper intimacy with you is learning to be even more vulnerable in those moments when I have strong emotion or when I have frustration to realize that the way that I do operate is probably going to be my natural tendency, but then to push myself out of that to be vulnerable and in doing so being more open and honest with you than I already am. So what about you? What's one area you want to continue to grow in personally and relationally? Personally, one of the places where I always seem to have a growing edge is trying not to be all things to all people. I had mentioned this a little bit earlier, but just that chameleon side of things. I see issues or problems over here and issues and problems over there at work and at home, and I want to just go and fix all of it. And that might seem great, but really that can often lead me to trying to work on weaknesses instead of living out of my strengths. And so that's one of the things that personally I'm always looking at is how do I just be myself and how do I just live out of my strengths? Relationally, I think being more available emotionally is something that I always have to work on. As a three, I'm very feeling repressed, meaning that I don't process my feelings with other people. And a lot of times I don't process my feelings with myself. And so taking the time to actually ask myself and have conversations with Kinsey in our marriage about, hey, this is what I'm feeling and this is why I'm thinking about making this decision is really important before I just start strategizing solutions. And relationally, I think that really helps us to grow together in intimacy because it helps us to really be on the same page. All right, you guys, we hope, if nothing else, that this episode has helped model for you what it's like to use the Enneagram for further self-discovery and to better be able to talk with each other about how you're wired and motivated. Now, we mentioned using Beth and Jeff McCord's Enneagram Couples Assessment at becomingus.com, and beyond what we've shared today, the assessment covers how both of your types interact in terms of communication, conflict, childhood messages, spiritual formation, and a section called Becoming Us, which aligns with the concept I talk a lot about called differentiated unity. It tells you how you two are operating when you're healthy and also what your growing edges are. So what we'd love for you to do today as your action step 
is to take an Enneagram assessment so that you can keep learning about each other at home. If you don't know your Enneagram type, you can learn more and read more at any of the linked resources in the show notes, but there's a free assessment at yourenneagramcoach.com. And if you do know your Enneagram types, we'd love for you to check out the couples assessment at becomingus.com. And we're not affiliates or anything. I just really respect Beth McCord and all the resources that she's put out. And so that's why I'm encouraging you to use all of her stuff. And our prayer for your marriage this week is that you never stop learning about yourself, about who you are in Christ, about who each other is, and that you trust God for his ability and timing to grow you and transform you and redeem the spaces between you. I'll be back next week. Bye-bye. Love is not a battle. Love is not a bond. Love is just as fragile as it is. Hey there, Evan here. If you've enjoyed this episode, there are more ways to connect and work with Kinsey. First, would you take a moment before you go to subscribe, rate, and review the Brave Marriage podcast on Apple Podcasts? Your feedback means so much to us. Second, if you'd like to share your thoughts and feedback, you can do so by sending a text to the text machine at 859-221-3845. Or if you want to share openly, feel free to share this episode on social media, text it to a friend, or share in person with your friend group or small group. Finally, if you'd like to work with Kinsey through premarital or couples coaching, just visit bravemarriage.com and click on the services tab at the top. Again, that's bravemarriage.com.